Hello, church, and welcome to all of our live streamers who are joining us right now all over the world. We are so glad that you are with us today, and we are glad that you are here in this room. And I have to tell you something fun. Our teaching team, for those of you who are new to Freedom House, um, we do not do video venues. We have live speakers and teachers at all of our campuses. And what's fun this weekend is not only do we have somebody at our Lake Norman campus and at our South End campus, and I get to be here with you guys, but my husband is actually in Los Angeles, California, representing and speaking there. So we're kind of like spread out all over the country today, just representing Jesus. Uh, for those of you who I have not had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Penny Maxwell. My husband and I are the senior pastors here at Freedom House, and we are so glad that you have joined us today, whether in this room or whether all over the world. Thank you for being here. We are kicking off a brand new series this weekend called The Third Man. And the reason that we are doing this series called The Third Man is because many people don't understand the Trinity and how the Trinity works. And oftentimes when we think about the third man of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, because there's Father, there's the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, often what we do is we kind of think about the Holy Spirit as an it. But the Holy Spirit is a he, he's the third person of the Trinity. And oftentimes we can find ourselves not really wanting to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. And I think the reason is, is I think the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap. And let me just tell you why I think that is. I think because there are a lot of people who do weird things and they blame it on the Holy Spirit. And let me just tell you, if you did weird things in your life before you received the Holy Spirit, and you do weird things in your life after you received the Holy Spirit, may I submit to you that that's not the Holy Spirit, that that's you being weird. <laughs> so let's not be weird and blame it on the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And let's also understand that the Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit is something that we want in our lives because we tend to fear or back away from that which we do not understand. So today, what I hope to do is I hope to uncover and explain to you the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And let me just do a little bit of teaching, and it's going to be a little different than normal because we're not going to just preach Today, it's gonna to be a little bit more like a Bible school class where we're gonna do some teaching. So I would encourage every single person in here to take some notes, get your phones out, take notes on your phone. There's some note sheets in front of you that you can write down on because this is something you wanna know. This is going to benefit you in your life. So let's start this thing off. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. There's God the Father who is ever existent, the creator of life. Then there's God the Son who is the begotten of the Father and sent to earth for our sins. Then there is God the Holy Spirit who is the active one who was sent or unleashed after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the Bible is very specific. It says God is on his throne. 
Jesus sits at the right hand and ever lives to make intercession for you and I. And then it says that the Holy Spirit is activated and on the earth. So how do you explain three in one and yet one in three? How does that make sense? Well, the best way that I could explain it to you would be this way. Water can take on different forms. It can be a liquid, it can be a gas, or it can be a solid, right? It can be in liquid form, wet. It could be in vapor form, gas, or it could be ice as a solid. But all of those are still water. They just take on a different form. But they're all water. So let's look at this too. We're gonna take my husband. We're gonna take Troy Maxwell. Troy Maxwell is Pastor Troy. Troy Maxwell is husband Troy. Troy Maxwell is father Troy. But all of those roles that he's in, he's still Troy Maxwell. But he's represented in different roles, right? It's the same thing it is with the Holy Spirit. They are all three in one and one in three. And we can see the Holy Spirit at work all the way from the Old Testament in Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation in the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament was under the law and the New Testament was under grace. Let me explain that a little bit to you. So let's take Jesus, for example. In the Old Testament, in order to be forgiven of a sin, you would actually have to take an animal and kill an animal. And when you killed that animal, your sin would be transferred on that animal and the blood would be shed and that would cover your sin. In the New Testament, there's no such thing as covering sins. In the New Testament, Jesus actually came. He was the ultimate, the perfect, the most amazing sacrifice. And he didn't just cover sin. He removed it and erased it. So there was a ratifying that happened from the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, to the New Testament. No longer were sins covered by the blood of animals. Sins were completely forgiven by the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at the role of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit would come and set upon and then he would lift off for specific service. He would come he would lift off. We see that with the Israelites when they were traveling in the desert because the Holy Spirit would be symbolic in many different forms. We see he would be symbolic of water. We see a dove. We see oil. We see all of these different ways in wind that the Holy Spirit would be represented. So over the Israelites, the Holy Spirit would hover in the form of a cloud by day and the Bible says fire by night. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come and ho hover over. The Holy Spirit actually comes and dwells within. In other words, it's not just a settling upon you, but it is a coming within you and remaining. So that is how it changes from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So I want to explain to you that the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is not just a resting upon, but a filling that all of us want. 
What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Another way to say it is, what does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Before I answer that, I want to explain to you the three baptisms that are mentioned in the Bible. The first baptism, and you want to write this down, is the baptism of repentance. What does that mean? It's the baptism that John came and was preaching repentance. He's like, listen, Jesus is coming. I'm the forerunner. He's coming. You want him in your life. He's the one who's going to forgive your sins. It's the first baptism that's mentioned in the Bible. The second baptism, which you also saw John participate in, was the baptism in water. Now, what does it mean to be baptized in water? It means that whatever happened on the inside of you, that change, you want to publicly display that on the outside as a sign of what happened on the inside. So symbolically, you go down in water one person, you come up clean and washed another person. That's the second baptism mentioned in the Bible. The third baptism is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And let me just tell you, the baptism in water and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are subsequent to salvation. So you have to get the first baptism, baptized into the kingdom of God, baptized into repentance, in order to be able to follow through with the other two. Now, let's go to the book of Acts. And if you were someone in here that was raised in a denominational church, this is probably not a book that you would land on very often. Matter of fact, it was skipped over. Whenever there would be chapters or books of a particular uh, chapter, people would just kind of go over it because they didn't really know how to explain it. But as expensive as pen and paper were in this time, it's in there for a reason. And just because we don't understand something doesn't mean that we don't need that in our life. And if you, so part of my life is in my childhood, I grew up in a denominational church, and then we switched to another church. So for those of you who grew up in a Pentecostal church or a charismatic church or a church that was word of faith or assemblies of God, you probably heard most of your teaching from the book of Acts. What I want to do today is I want to bring some balance to that. I want to talk about what the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit isn't, and why you need the Holy Spirit operating in your life. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to start in Acts chapter 1 in verse 4. And I want you to understand that these are Jesus' words. This is Jesus talking when he says this. He says, in being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For truly, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, Hey, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Everybody say power. power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. 
So I want you to hear that the reason that the Holy Spirit is there is to give you power so you can be a witness. It says, you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, which is Charlotte, in Judea, which is North Carolina, Samaria, which are the places that nobody wants to go, and then to the ends of the earth. That's where this power is gonna come and invade your life, and you have this power to be a witness. Now, I'm gonna come back to that in just a few minutes. Next thing we're gonna do is we're gonna go down to Acts chapter two in verse one. And the verse that we're gonna read right now, this is exactly 50 days after the crucifixion. So Jesus has died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus rose again. We are now 50 days after the crucifixion. This is the day of Pentecost. And so we're gonna hear what happened and how things played out in Acts chapter two, verse one. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can I just say really quickly that I love the fact that they were in one place and they were in one accord because I think that's exactly why some of the things are playing out in our society right now where the devil is trying to divide because he knows what'll happen when all of us are in one accord and the power of God is present. Do not let the devil divide us. That is what he wants. It's an intentional attack sent against us. They were all in one accord. They were sitting in the house. It says, and then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. Then they were all amazed and they marveled saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galeans? Like what's going on here? They don't know our language. How are they speaking our language right now? It doesn't make any sense what's going on. We can't understand this with our natural mind. How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Perithians and Medes and Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And then there were the others. The others were mocking and said, well, they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up to the others, to the eleven, 
raised his voice to them, and he said to them, Men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. In other words, it's 9 a.m., y'all. They are not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. He said, for these are not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is what's going on. This is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, said God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, say, I'm a whoever. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We see evidence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all throughout the Bible. Jesus shows up in the Old Testament before he actually gets his earth suit flesh in the New Testament. Even at creation, it says the Spirit hovered over the waters as God spoke creation into existence. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all work in cooperation with each other. So when, when I got saved and asked Jesus into my life, did I get the Holy Spirit? Well, they're three in one. They're the Trinity. Yes, you got a measure of the Holy Spirit, but the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which happened in Acts chapter 2, is subsequent to salvation. I want to take you there, and I want to show you this specifically what happened. We're going to jump down to chapter 19 in the book of Acts in verse 1. And it says, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Now, we're going to take a pause right there. Are disciples saved? Yes. The definition of saved is in Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. So here we are. These disciples are saved. They believe in Jesus. They know that he rose from the dead. And here they are. They're spreading that good news. They are the disciples of Jesus. So we have established they are already saved. Says, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Paul said to them, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said back to him, we have not heard so much as whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, well, then what were you baptized? 
And they said, into John's baptism, which is the baptism of repentance. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Now we know they were already saved. And then what happened is Paul laid hands on them and prayed for the Holy Spirit to infill them. And it says the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they began to prophesy. Now, I want to pause right here for a moment because what I have found, a lot of people who have been raised understanding some things of the Holy Spirit, a lot of people can tend to do this. They focus so much on the tongues and on the gifts, right? Which if you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that whole chapter is about the gifts of the Spirit, which are tongues, interpretation of tongues, gifts of healing, miracles, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. All those are gifts that were given with the Holy Spirit. But if we are not careful, we can look at the gifts and overlook the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, which is joy, which is peace, which is patience, which is kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Sometimes we look so much for the power, we forget just to love people well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is all about the gifts, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which is all about the gifts, sandwiched in between the chapters on the gifts is 1 Corinthians 13, which is the chapter on love. It's sandwiched in there for a reason because I don't care how much you can pray in tongues and prophesy. The Bible says if you don't have love, you have nothing. We're a clanging symbol. So I think it's really important for us to understand as we're going through this that the gifts are to point to God. They are never so you can look at me or you can bring attention to yourself and think you're the big deal. They're gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're not Penny Maxwell gifts. They are gifts that he allows us to operate in when we submit ourselves to his will. Does that make sense? All right, fruits of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit. They're all things that we want operating in our life. One is not more important than the other. Why should I want this operating in my life? Why do I want this gift of the Holy Spirit? What's the point? What's the purpose? Well, the first thing I want to say is that when I was a kid and it was Christmas time, and there were presents underneath the tree. I didn't leave any underneath the tree that had my name on them. So whatever was put under that tree for me, I wanted to take it and I wanted to unwrap it and I wanted to use it. So if Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going away and you're going to be better off because I'm leaving you the comforter. If Jesus is saying, this is a gift you need, I ain't leaving it under the tree. 
I want this in my life. He's doing this for a reason. So what is the reason? What is the benefits of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you five benefits, and I want you to write this down because this is very important for us to get into our spirit and for us to know. The first benefit of the Holy Spirit is when we don't know what to pray. God, should I take this job? God, should I relocate my family? God, should I marry him? Should I marry her? God, what do I do with my kids? When you don't know what you're supposed to pray, you don't know the right way, the Holy Spirit does. Let's read what the Bible says, Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us with wordless groans that cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit prays through us. Our spirit does the praying, but the Holy Spirit provides the unction, if you will, the utterance. There are so many times in my life where I had no idea what the answer was. And it's okay because the Holy Spirit does. I don't get it right all the time. Can I just tell you, if you have children, or better yet, if you have teenagers, you better receive this gift. It's important because there are going to be times you have no idea what to pray. Your prayers may feel weak and ineffective. But when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you know exactly what to pray. I remember one night, Troy had just got home from a trip and he'd been traveling and he wasn't feeling good. And he was like, you know, I'm thinking if I just sleep this off, I'm feeling really ill and for me, you know, I'm a girl. When I don't feel good, I just go to the doctor. But for whatever reason, y'all can tell me after church, like, my guys, I love you, but, like, you don't like the doctor for whatever reason. I do not know why. I'm just like, doctor, tell me what's wrong. I'm cool with that, right? So he, this is, um, ends up being a Saturday morning by this time. He gets home Friday. It's a Saturday early in the morning, and he's, he's starting to decline. And I remember praying for him, just going, I don't really, God, I'm praying for your healing power right now, but I don't really know what's going on with him. And so he says, I'm going to try to just wait it off until, you know, daybreak and just, and just try to get through. So I remember he took some Advil because he had a pretty high fever and I just was like, you know what, I'm just going to pray in the Holy Spirit because my English right now, like, I don't, I don't have the words. And I began to pray in the Holy Spirit, and I went to him, and I said, Troy, you have spinal meningitis, and we need to get you to the doctor right away. And he goes, what? He goes, what are you talking about? And I was like, I have no idea. Like, I do not know. He said, what is spinal meningitis? I said, I don't know, but let's Google it. Like, I had no clue what spinal meningitis was. So I'm Googling it. And for those of you who work in the medical industry, you know that is a serious condition. 
And so I Google it, and I'm like, dear Jesus, you're getting in the car. We're going to the hospital. I get him to the hospital, and we got there just in time. They did a spinal tap. They're like, dude, you've got spinal meningitis. We're going to have to quarantine you in the hospital. I mean, it was like those movies you see with the CDC, and they come in in those big suits. They, like, kick me out. I'm not allowed to even see him, talk to him. And I'm thinking I slept in the bed with him, people. Like, what the heck? You know? Like, I'm kind of, like, freaking out a little bit. They kick me out. They, they, like, put the suits on. They literally, like, put him in this sterile room, and everybody's got masks on. They're like, you need to go. You can't be here. And I was like, dear Jesus, thank you for your Holy Spirit that we got him there in time to be looked at, to be cared for, to get the medicine that he needed, to get the treatment that he needed. Because in my own Strength, I wouldn't have known what to pray. I couldn't have possibly thought about that. The second thing of why you need the Holy Spirit, a benefit of the Holy Spirit, is for building up your faith. In Jude verse 20, it says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, it's like getting a B12 vitamin injection in your spirit. Man, it just gives you this boldness. It gives you this strength. It's a supernatural faith. And I can tell you, when I was pregnant with my second child, she's 18 years old now, but when, when I was pregnant with her in utero, they found tumors in her brain. And it wasn't good. It didn't look good. And I remember feeling so weak and so broken and so hurt, I couldn't even form the words together to pray because I just couldn't think. I was overwhelmed with pain, with hurt. I just couldn't really even process at the moment. So I remember just saying, Lord, I, the only thing I can do right now is just pray in the Spirit because I, 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 I can't get my words together. And I began to pray in the Holy Spirit, and I felt this faith come back into my body. I felt this building up that I, I was lacking, that I needed a strength. And I was so thankful, so incredibly thankful, because I couldn't find the words. I felt so weak, and I, I felt so broken, and I felt so empty. But man, when I prayed in the Holy Spirit, it was like my spiritual battery got recharged and I got this supernatural strength that I so desperately needed right there in that moment. Man, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. The third benefit of the Holy Spirit is it bypasses your mind. It bypasses your mind. In 1 Corinthians 14, 4, it says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. My spirit prays, my mind is unfruitful. Why is that so important? Because it's spirit to spirit. It completely bypasses our brain. This is where we get in trouble because we try to reason everything out. Sometimes we're praying prayers that don't even line up with the word of God because we confused our will with his will. 
But when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you cannot miss. It's his perfect will every single time. You cannot miss. 95% of the time, I spend my time praying in the Spirit. The other 5%, I'm usually praying with somebody and agreeing with somebody. But the majority of the time, I'm praying in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I want effective prayers. I want to pray God's will every single time, not my own will. Could you imagine if every prayer that you prayed was answered? A lot of us would have been in big trouble if it was in the natural. You'd have married people you weren't supposed to marry. You'd have taken jobs you weren't supposed to take. But when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you are literally praying God's perfect will every single time. You take your desires out and it is no mistake zone. That is pretty effective. Your spirit does the praying. Now, the Holy Spirit, some people think the Holy Spirit is going to come in and move your mouth and make you pray. That is not what happens. Your spirit prays, you use your mouth to pray, and the Holy Spirit provides that utterance, just like it said in Acts. All right, number four, reason, benefit of why you need the Holy Spirit. Number four, in John 14, 26, it's because he's our comforter. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, is our comforter, our advocate, our intercessor, our counselor, our strengthener, our standby, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and to act on my behalf. He will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. Can I just tell you, we need a comforter in the times that we live in, it is really hard to even turn the news on and watch the news and not have that comforter living on the inside of you. We need peace. Man, we need a supernatural peace. You see, there's a difference between having peace and being happy. Happy is situational. Peace is something that can live on the inside of us. And when we are troubled, man, he can ease our troubled mind. And I like to think of it like this. I like to think of it as the Holy Spirit is like the guy at Walmart with the blue vest on. He's saying, can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? What can I help you find? What can I do for you today? That is the Holy Spirit. And we need that operating and active in our life. Number five, benefit of the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit is a secret weapon. We can pray things that have yet to happen. Things that have not even happened, we can pray for because spirit to spirit, we are praying. In 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says, those who speak in strange tongues do not speak to others, but they speak to God because no one understands them. They are speaking secret truths by the power of the spirit. 
Can I just tell you, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you have no idea how many things you are thwarting in the spiritual realm. Probably the most significant time or, or situation that's happened that I am actually aware of is when Pastor Troy and I lived in Richmond, Virginia. We, we, it was before we moved to Charlotte. We lived in a cul-de-sac And from our cul-de-sac down to the end of the street, it was about a quarter of a mile. Well, I remember about 3 a.m., I just felt like the the Lord woke me up and told me to get up and go downstairs and pray. And just before you think I'm like super holy or super spiritual or whatever, that is not a usual occurrence. I'm not getting up at 3 a.m. because Jesus said, go pray, okay? So let's just make that really clear. This was a special circumstance because he knows 3 a.m. I'm not typically very nice or kind or awake, okay? So he told me to get up and to go and pray. And I remember I I go downstairs in my house because my husband was still asleep. I go downstairs and I kneel beside the sofa. And I had no idea what I was praying But I began to pray in the Holy Spirit knowing that God was up to something. Just wasn't quite aware of what it was. As I sat there and I knelt and I prayed in the Holy Spirit, it lasted for about 30 minutes. And then I felt like the Lord said, you're good. Now, I don't know what just happened in the heavenly realm. All I know is that I obeyed. So I got up, I went upstairs, and I got into bed, and I no sooner pulled the covers up over my body than I heard this horrendous, horrendous, loud noise at the very end of the street a quarter mile away. My husband popped up because it was so loud. I jumped up, and I looked at him, and I said, quick, You need to get down there. It's Orlando, our neighbor. He's been drinking and driving drunk and he's wrapped his car around a tree and you're gonna be the first one on the scene and you're gonna help him and pray over him and keep him alive. He goes, what? I said, I can't explain it right now. Just put your sweatpants on and get down there because Orlando needs you. And so I stayed back with the kids and I called 911. And about an hour later, after I'd heard all the sirens and all the stuff going, about an hour later, my husband comes back. He said, babe, it was Orlando, our neighbor, driving drunk, wrapped his car around a tree, was clinging to life. I stayed there and I prayed over him until paramedics got there. He said, how in the world did you know that? And I said, literally, the Holy Spirit woke me up and told me to go pray. And I didn't know what I was praying for. My mind was unfruitful until I heard the sound. And when I heard that crash, it quickened in my spirit what I had been praying for. Now, why did God reveal that? There's two reasons. The first of all, so we could go ahead and pray and believe God for his life. The second is, 
is because five days later when Orlando got out of the hospital, I went down to his family and I sat in their house and I told him and his wife and their kids, I said, I want to tell you what happened at 3 a.m. And I began to tell them the story and they began to weep. But what I need you to understand what I did is the focus was not on me that God had told me this. The gift was not for me to get any glory and for them to think I was any big deal. The Lord told me so I could turn it and give glory to Him. It is very important when God gives you a gift that you always turn it back to Him because we're not a big deal. He's the big deal. So Orlando's whole family got saved that day. The whole family. It was a powerful demonstration and display of the Holy Spirit. And can I just ask you today, why would you not want that to operate in your life? Why would you not want that gift in your life? When Jesus said, I'm leaving this for you because I'm going and you're going to need this. And you know what? He was right. He was right. Will you stand up on your feet with me today? This is what I'd like to do for everybody that's here in this room right now and for everybody that is watching online. If we could just all close our eyes and bow our heads. I just wanna take a moment. I just wanna take this precious, precious moment. The first thing that we gotta do is we gotta make sure our life is straight with Jesus. That's first and foremost. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, and with all of the people joining online, if you say, man, I wanna take that step today, I wanna know Jesus, if you're online, there's a hand right there you can click. If you are here in the auditorium today and you say, man, I need a fresh start, I need a do-over, I need a clean slate, and that's you, I want you just to lift your hand really quick. Just all over the room, lift your hand. Thank you, I see your hands. Who else? Say, I need a fresh start. Thank you, thank you. Who else? Thank you in the front. Thank you so much. Thank you up in the back in the balconies. Thank you over to the right and in the back on the right. Who else says, man, I need a fresh start. Thank you on the front. I need a fresh start. I need a do-over. I need Jesus Christ in my life first and foremost. Last time, anybody just raise your hand and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. And then there's another group of people that I wanna talk to. This second group of people is, maybe you're like that particular group of disciples who said, I didn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. And you're saying, God, I want that operating in my life. I need that in my life today. So maybe you've never experienced the Holy Spirit in your life, or maybe you have in the past, 
But you need to, as the Bible says, stir that gift up in your life. Maybe it's kind of laid a little dormant. Maybe you need to open the drawer, pull it back out, stir the pot. Whatever that looks like for you, you would say, I want the Holy Spirit operating in my life today, full on in my heart, in my life. And you want to receive that free gift today. Just lift your hands up all over the auditorium. Awesome. Just keep them up everywhere, wherever you are, in the balconies, in the middle, on the sides. You just say, I want that gift, or I, I need that gift stirred up. Maybe it's, it's just gone a little dormant, and, and I want that activated today in my life. Here's what we're going to do in here today. For those of you in here, for those of you online, I just want everybody just to lift your hands up to the Lord. Just lift your hands up in a sign of receiving what He has. And just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, come into my life right now. Make me new. Make me fresh. Wipe away the past. I believe Jesus died on the cross and He rose again. And I am saved. And Lord, I receive the Holy Spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost. I receive that in my life right now. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Invade my heart. I want your gifts. I want your power. God, I want your fruit in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Just sing it out to him right now. Invite him in. Invite the Holy Spirit in. Sing it out. Sing it out. Holy Spirit, come in right now. God is what 